welcome to episode 149 of The Digital Life, a show about our adventures in the world of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Neumeyer. Greetings, John. For our podcast topic this week, we're going to chat a little bit about how artificial intelligence is evolving and where it's having some very public successes and some very public failures. Uh, let's start with uh, one of the more recent public failures uh, for, for AI, which is in Microsoft's uh, chatbot, uh, and her name was Tay, and it was, uh, she was meant to mimic millennials uh, and be able to chat with folks on Twitter in particular, and the company had to terminate Tay oh, no. be- because she started getting into uh, some some areas of conversation that were uh, really unsavory. In particular, she started espousing uh, neo-Nazi beliefs was one of the big uh, areas, and it's unclear exactly how Tay ended up uh, uh, going down that path, but suffice it to say, it was uh, highly embarrassing for Microsoft. Although I did see some commentary that said, "Wow, you know, it was supposed to mimic somebody who was uh, trying to get attention online and acting like a teenager." So Microsoft actually said, "You know, did what they set out to do uh, successfully." So I'm I'm not sure certain if that's a successful example. Of AI, it sounds more like artificial intelligence uh, uh, runs slightly amok. But it it's also worth uh, reflecting on that in these areas of uh, uh, social interaction, which are you know millions of times more complicated than sort of rules based systems, that AI is probably going to have uh, uh, a long way to go. So, Dirk, do you want to? Uh, uh, share your thoughts on on poor Tay and 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 Microsoft's uh, falling on its face recently. Yeah, poor Tay indeed. You know, it's the the, the problem. I mean, there's probably more problems than this, but the the problem that I want to talk about with Tay is Microsoft chose the worst possible context to put this bot that you know had superficial learning abilities within its environment. Um, specifically on Twitter and into social media. I mean, people behave terribly online, um, you know, whether it be comment threads and, you know, in news websites or forums or Twitter. Uh, people act in horrendous ways and in ways that they would never act in a real face-to-face environment. That so, is unfortunately very true. You know, and, you know, look, I mean, I've certainly never been like a horrible online troll by any means. However, I will say things online that if I was face-to-face with someone, I wouldn't say, you know, whether it be a review of a restaurant or, um, you know, responding to another commenter who is being an asshole um, I'll do it in ways that I wouldn't do face to face. You know, um, there's there's a certain lack of decorum online that goes beyond just the trolls and the real, um, you know, the real malignant folks. And I'll even claim, you know, some of that for myself of 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 going a little bit beyond um, how I would be in in a normal real life circumstance. And so turning this bot again with with sort of superficial learning abilities loose. In this environment that is sort of the worst of humanity, the, <laughs> the cesspool of anonymous, emboldened crap, 
um, you know, it's it's just a recipe for disaster unless you program it, you know, thinking two or three moves ahead to um, taking for granted that it's going to be a lot of horrible, ugly demagoguery that this bot is exposed to. How do you design it to deal with that proactively as opposed to reduce itself to that behavior? So just from a, a very conceptual level, you know, Microsoft deploying it in this in this place, in this way, as sort of this innocent learner coming through the world, I mean, really, could it anything have happened but it be twisted into a horrible, ugly, racist asshat? I, I don't know, you know. Yeah, a little Red Riding Hood, you know, uh, marched off into the into the woods and got eaten by the wolf, uh, and that that was that. Uh, on the flip side of this, AI has had a you know. Uh, what I'd call a, you know, a massively notable success recently in uh, uh, Google's uh, DeepMind actually beat uh, a champion Go player recently uh, five times in a row. Uh, So uh, DeepMind five, uh, the Go champion zero. And I know, Dirk, that you're a uh, Go uh, enthusiast and aficionado. Amateur, the, the most amateur of amateurs, but I love the game. Right, and so I, I think you know we we have a superficial knowledge, or, or at least I do, of of the complexities of chess. And from what I understand, Go is uh, a much more nuanced game than that, with quite a few more possibilities for every move. So this uh, this sort of rules based area of of gaming seems to be an area where where ai can excel dirk could you give me a little more insight into the game of go and and what that means that uh uh, an ai bot could uh be so successful with it yeah i think i i think there's actually two different things in that so let me start by telling you a little bit about go to so the the concept of the game makes sense it's you know game on, on a giant board 19 by 19 points and each player has either white or black stones, and each player plays a stone in, in succession. And um, the goal is just to control the most territory at the end of the game. And um, controlling territory is either you know having your stones surrounding the territory and or your opponent's pieces you've taken off the board because you've captured them in the process of, of taking territory. And so the, the idea was that Go is so... Um, Complicated is the wrong word. Is that there? There are so many options in Go. It's it's almost infinite the number of options, especially once you start looking ahead a few moves, as opposed to just reacting to the way the board is now. That artificial intelligence, um, you know, would never or it would take a very long time before it was able to beat uh, a top human player. And that happening in 2016 is is I, I would say decades ahead of where people thought that would happen. Um, However, I don't think it's anything about the game itself that allowed the AI to get to the point of beating the human. Unlike Tay, which you know we, we talked about a minute ago, which is um, fairly basic and then learning in real time within the environment of Twitter, um, this, this AI was trained by professional Go players for um, months, going back to last year. So... Um, the, uh, an earlier version of this program had less spectacular but still impressive results 
against a, a not as good of a player. The player who's beaten um, recently is the fourth ranked player in the world. I mean, you're talking about the best of the best. Or maybe it was sixth ranked. But I mean, really someone at the top of the pyramid. Um, the player who was played last year was maybe 400th best, which is still really impressive. Like, that guy's brilliant and awesome, but there's a big difference from, from fourth to 400th. The player who was playing last year, um, after they played, they became part of the team, and they have been playing almost nonstop and programming this AI nonstop to participate and play Go. So what, what my point is that um, they have been working for months on making this thing as good as it can be with a professional player there telling the computer how to think, telling the computer what moves to make, giving it all of this um, context at a super and deep and granular level in order to be able to go and um, beat a, a human, a top human player. So it's, um, it's, it's much more nuanced in, in that bringing that subject matter expert, and I think there's multiple involved, but there's, there's this one fellow, very, very interesting and thoughtful fellow. I'm, I'm not trying to say their names because I'll butcher the pronunciation right. as the ignorant American, and I, I don't want to, to do that. Um, but he seems like a very thoughtful and, and interesting fellow, um, you know. But he's been he's been in there programming this thing, you know, nonstop, along with a lot of um, computer scientists and and other experts. So many people have been collaborating to build this machine to get it to the point where it could beat a top human and go. And that's that's not to take anything away from the magnitude of of the accomplishment, but it, it's it's really talking about. When we think about AI, you know, what, what is it? Is it something that's learning on its own and adapting? Uh, not really. I mean, at, at, at the level we're talking about here, it's more something that has been had tremendous amounts of knowledge put into it um, and coded into it, that it's able to then take this, this huge collection of stuff and apply it in order to, to win the game. It's not, you know, it's, it's not like a human being um, looking, looking at each move in the same way, reacting, responding. It's doing it in very, very different ways. Now, those are different ways that um, can can create interesting things. You know, in the um, I believe it was in the second game that they played um, this more recently against the the fourth best player in the world. The the computer early in the game made a move that was so unexpected and so um, different than than any of the patterns and how the best top professionals play go. That, that the human opponent had to get up and, and go to the bathroom and take a break. I mean, it blew his mind that this computer in this context that clearly was playing at a skilled level would make this super unusual move. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of, I, I think a lot of media kind of glommed on that to that to say, well, here's an example of higher intelligence. Like, this is this is sort of the next level. And I think it's, I think it's a little bit more rudimentary than that, right? I mean, the the machine is just able to compute many more possibilities than the human is able to compute and was able to say, okay, um, and, and this will be a little bit too inside baseball and may not make sense to people who aren't familiar with Go, but I'm going to abandon this little tactical fight in this part of the board and put a stone way over here to start setting up strength for a future fight in that part of the board at a time and in a way that would seem completely inappropriate for what the situation is if I really know what the hell I'm doing. But we know that the computer has so much intelligence put into it that it does have a very good idea of what it's doing. And so for that top professional to be challenged with that, that some some 
entity, whether it be human or computer, that knows what it's doing, that clearly knows what it's doing, makes this move that's different than anything that any top professional has ever contemplated, it becomes a very compelling moment. But it's it's a moment that's the product of computation. It's not the product of um, sentience, which right. I think is is where um, some of that conversation went. So uh, I, maybe maybe I've been a little too rambling here. And no, I I, I, I find that uh, really interesting, just because our our big concerns or the concerns articulated by you know people who understand very little about AI and the ones who may understand quite a bit that the the concern is that there's going to be a, a sentient computer with malicious intent. So the AI of, um, uh, you know, the Google uh, computer combined with the maliciousness of Tay, right? The 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 neo-Nazi teenager. Tay was designed with no malicious intent. I, 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 oh, I, no, no, no. That's exactly it. So the sentient, um, you know, highly uh, intelligent machine that becomes... Uh, malicious, even though that wasn't the point of the design, right? So, so that's that's uh, Skynet of of Terminator fame, right? So it's meant to do one thing for you, go, and it ends up becoming something else. But I mean, I, that's I, the fear. That's the fear. Yeah, I mean, it's bad programming, right? I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to say, you know, let's exclude Nazi from anything that Tay says. Mm-hmm. Let's exclude, I don't know what some of the other horrible things she said. I hate Jews. I mean, horrible things yeah. she was saying, right? Um, it, that's easy to exclude and make it so that's never part of the programming, basically. I mean, the, the science fiction fear is that the computer then rewrites the code so that it can talk right. about the, the Hitler and all this crap. Um, but I, I, I think... I. There's there's nothing to indicate that that jump is one that can be made without our programming, without the programmer putting in the ability to to get there. Sure, and and you know I I, I started off this segment you know talking about being very interested in in where AI does well and and where it does not, and I think your analysis of the the Go game uh, really illustrates you know where. Uh, using all this computing power for artificial intelligence, like where it can be successful um, in in you know this kind of of I mean it's game analysis, but certainly there's it's brute force. It's brute force math at the end of the day. There's sure. not that much nuance of of humanity there. And, right, and then and then you know in contrast we have uh, you know Tay with 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 you know a million things to potentially talk about and and so much uh, social thicket to uh uh to make it uh, her way through that you know it was just just impossible and and fell flat on its face so interestingly enough the uh the chatbot i think is probably uh in some ways you know incredibly useful so so a tay who could who could actually do the job would be uh, something you know that could be a companion, that could be an advisor, or you know, it's sort of the virtual helper that uh, you know, sort of the next level of Siri or Cortana or um, Alexa, right? So, so the usefulness would would be there, but the social sphere is so fraught right now that the, you know it looks like it's going to be quite some time before you can have an artific- artificially intelligent uh, virtual helper to to help you out. 
Well, a big a big hole there too is context. You know, Eric in our studio is as a side project working on a bot of his own, and we were talking about that over lunch today. And there's there's such a huge context gap. So one of the easy things that he was programming it to do was um, if you if you put in um, Minute Clinic and a zip code, that it will tell you what the wait time is at the local Minute Clinic, mm-hmm. right? Now. In zip codes, there's multiple stores, so it's there's there's some some issues there. But what would really be powerful would be if it was truly localized to the individual. And so, what I mean by that is, you know, here at the studio, we eat out at the restaurants that we have access to here in Arlington Center uh, quite a bit. And what would be f- easy, what would be great, is if it knew when we say Thai restaurant, it's talking about one specific place. If we say burritos, it's talking about one specific place. Suddenly, that thing with the local context as a bot would be able to make round-trip orders for us in, in seconds. We type in what we want, and then it's all just done. But with the bots being designed as these global things... Um, it can't discern when I say Thai that it means the restaurant to our left, not across the street and to our right. If I say pizza, it means the place that's a lot farther that's really good as opposed to the place that's closer and sucks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's this gap with programming being done at the global level. We're trying to write a bot that covers everyone everywhere in a generic way. The usefulness doesn't get that deep. Where it gets deep is where it's more localized, where it's more specific to us in, in the examples I'm using just because of the very micro-geography that we're in and our taste preferences um, as opposed to the, the more generic glob. And so bridging that gap is where a lot of the really exciting things will start to happen in the sort of software you're talking about um, to really get at the local personal level and convert that into care as opposed to the the generic and the macro. That's right. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things that we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to thedigitallife.com, that's just one L in the digital life, and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody, so it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening or afterward if you are trying to remember something that you liked. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And, of course, the whole show is brought to you by Involution Studios, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at D-Niemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. Or email me, Dirk, at GoInvo.com. So that's it for Episode 149 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>